Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Greetings. So good to see everybody here today and uh, very thankful each week to gather to Watch everybody coming in and seeing everybody and, be, you know, wanting to tell everybody what's going on. I don't know what you guys, did you get to see the, the board there? We got some cool stuff from Myanmar we had up on the board here earlier. I'll tell you a little bit about when we get to, to that part of the service. But the Lord is good. You know, last week God called us in Psalm 135. He called us to praise the Lord. And he called us to boast and to brag and to... Uh, talk about our great God that we serve. And so we go to our call to worship. It will be that psalm. And maybe as we do it uh, here today, you'll remember uh, last week as we uh, talked about this. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in the heaven and in the earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain and bringeth wind out of its treasuries. Who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast, who sent tokens and wonders in the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon his servants, who smote great nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan, and gave their land for a heritage, a heritage unto the Israel. His people, thy name, O Lord, endures forever, and thy generations for a memorial, O Lord, throughout generations. For the Lord will judge his people. He will repent himself concerning his servants. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them, and so is everyone that trusteth in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O ye house of Levi, ye that fear the Lord. Bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth in Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We brag and we boast and we talk about your greatness, Lord, in our own lives as Israel did in theirs. Lord, these were their miracles. These were the things that you walked them through. These were the fiery trials that they endured. But Lord, we've endured our own as well. We know that we are your people, that you brought us out and brought us in, that you've conquered our enemies, Lord, and that you are still Lord today as you were then, not just for Jerusalem, but we are that new Jerusalem. And I pray today, Lord, that we would rejoice in it, that we would bless your holy name, for you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Can we say thanks be to God? Remain standing for just a little bit. I'm going to read for you my text 
from Psalm 136. I'm just going to read the first three verses, and as has been our habit, we're going to preach the whole psalm here today. My sermon title today is called The Great Parade of Praise. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3 say this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we indeed give thanks. May we pour out our praise upon you. May it be a parade of spontaneity, Lord, that springs forth from our souls. Lord, may we see your glory in our midst, Lord, and turn away from uh, the things of this world that try to draw us toward them, that we would not be conformed to the world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. All God's people said? Amen. You may be seated. It was June the 19th, 1945. Four million people filled Fifth Avenue, downtown New York City, ready to give thanks to the hero who helped save the world from certain destruction, having or having to watch it helplessly be plunged into the darkness of the total domination by the Nazis. And nobody seemed to care it was a Tuesday. News that Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower had landed safely in Washington, D.C. after leaving Paris and was now on his way to the Big Apple. The whole city was set ablaze with anticipation and preparation and they knew exactly what they were going to do. DCers had done their very best to welcome the general the day before, but New Yorkers were going to make it rain down praise from the clouds of America's tallest skyscrapers. As his car rode up Fifth Avenue toward the public library where he would make his speech, a storm of ticker tape, confetti, streamers and the likes the nation had never seen came down like a category four blizzard as they blessed the man who led his army and the free world to victory. This was the greatest ticker tape parade in human history. 73 to 75 million people had died in World War II. That's 3% of the Earth's population and much of the world was mangled and messy, but it was still alive. The war had begun on September the 1st, 1939, as Germany invaded Poland, according to the master plan of the Chancellor of Germany, Adolf Hitler. It was more than three and a half years the U.S. had been in the war since the December 7th, 1941 bombing of Pearl Harbor, and after that, 407,316 of her soldiers perished in the fray. And there were untold who were scarred both body and mind. But on May the 7th, 1945, Nazi Germany surrendered to the Allied forces. Good had prevailed and the sun was rising again. It was a great day and it was a great parade of praise. More than two 
hundred of these showering celebrations complete with the thunder of the masses have been held in New York City. The very first one broke out spontaneously when the nation of France gave us this little thing we call the Statue of Liberty. No one had planned anything like this to happen, but when it happened, it, everyone felt like it was right. They were going down uh, Fifth Avenue and they were headed to the park and uh, back then there were these little machines called ticker tape. I was asking my kids if they know what this is and they didn't know what this was. But there were these little machines and they would spit out updated stock reports and they would be, have big piles of paper. And Fifth Avenue was the financial district. And so they had these piles of paper and people just at the very thought of this wonderful gift to our nation just kind of freaked out and just started throwing the paper out the windows and it created this atmosphere that was so incredible that since 1886 when this happened the first time they've done it 209 more times or 206 more times isn't that amazing what you see here is the overspilling of joy of thanksgiving of people opening the windows and the snowstorm of ticker tape coming out as the people were marching. It was a way of reaching out. You can't be down there where the general is or maybe, you know, there's just too many people, but it's kind of like, I'm showering me that direction. I want to be a part of this great grand victory, this incredibleness that is going on. And what they did that day was so wonderful and cathartic for those who participated in it. They did it again and again and again. Theodore Roosevelt, when he came back from his African safari, the people showed up and they started throwing their stuff again. A woman swam the English Channel. She came into town and they're out there and they're just reveling in this pouring out. When Douglas MacArthur was told that uh, he was relieved of his command and he wasn't allowed to serve the, the, the uh, military anymore, Truman said, all right, we're done with you. Uh, when he came back, some people kind of thought, well, you know, it's a sad day for him. Well, New Yorkers showed up and they gave him a parade as well. John Glenn, after he orbited the earth, uh, they gave him one too. These things happen over and over. You see, around the world in dusty arenas, around the feet of uh, various matadors, on the ice of triumphant figure skaters, and over the heads of countless sports stars, praise is poured by adoring fans. What happens when the team wins the Super Bowl? What do they do, guys? They win and they grab and they, 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 they pour the, the thing. They're so excited. They throw stuff up in the air. You know, the, uh, when people graduate, they like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And so they, ah, and they, and they throw, they, they throw their hat, right? There is something that is almost involuntary that is happening inside of us when we are overwhelmed with Thanksgiving. It is a physical response that we have. Last week we talked about praise and how praise was boasting and bragging and it's something that as we do it we begin to feel the swelling up and the and the pride of God. You know, it's okay to be proud of God. God resists those that are proud of themselves, but we can be proud of God. And last week we we're like, what does our God do? He does whatever he pleases. What did he make? He made it all. What does he have? He's got it all. Who does he vanquish? Everybody! 
Who stands before him? Nobody. And so it's kind of like, we're boasting and bragging. But as we come to Psalm 136, this is called the great Haleel or the great praise. We, we are going to praise God and we're going to do this. And it is our call, though, not just to brag, but to shower. Everybody to say to shower. To shower God with praise. Now, you may not do this if you don't want to, but as I get cranked up in here, well, you might. And you might go, well, I don't know what's appropriate or what's not appropriate. You know what? I, I know that there were people who came in on the day of Christ's triumphal entry and they got so overwhelmed. You know what they started doing? They started throwing palm branches down. They started taking off their coats and throwing them on the ground. Why? I just want to, I just, I just want praise. And they're like, you, you got, you better tell these guys to hush. Oh, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, ah! and they're throwing their stuff and they're putting it. And you're like, what are they doing? They're, they're having a parade. They're having a parade of praise. Why? And they're like, hey, you better tell these people to calm down. These people better settle down. And he said, hey, if they don't do this, the very rocks are going to cry out. What would you have done on that day? Psalm 136 is our call to do this. Praise him for all he's done. Everybody say, for his mercy endures forever. As we go through this Psalm 26 times. Remember what we said about emphasis. When the Bible repeats something, it's emphasis. Could you imagine we're going to go for his mercy endures forever. For his mercy endures forever. For his I mean, I've seen three or four key changes in a song, and that's great, but this is 26. For his mercy endures forever. And this emphasis is supposed to build and build and build to a crescendo of praise and pandemonium. That is really what is going on here in Psalm 136. There is no inspired heading as we jump into it verse by verse, but it is known in tradition as the great praise or the great halil where the word hallelujah comes from the halil that we did before was the egyptian one it is from psalm 113 to 118 israel would say this all together but this one it didn't need to be said with any other ones you could just say it all by itself it's called the great praise and so you ready to get your praise on jason jason go get it on day So when we get into verse one, and I'll tell you what, uh, verse one is enough to just preach all day. In fact, a lot of these verses are, you might go, well, it's not really saying much. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Even from the very first letter. Oh, oh, you go, what is that? That's emphasis is what that is. He didn't say, uh, you know. Let's give thanks, Lord. No, he said, oh, you know, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. And you can say it with me for his mercy endureth forever. You see, oh, this deep breath from the depth of the soul, this oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy. To give thanks or to yada means to throw. It means to cast. That's why this image is here up on the, can you see the people? They're casting, they're throwing, they're throwing their confetti, they're throwing their ticker tape, they're throwing, hey, you know what, this is what our life is about. It's about these stock prices. It's about, well, we, we're just, but we're excited. We want to be a part of what's going on in the parade below. To cast, to throw, to shower someone with praise. 
cheering crowds, Thanksgiving. We use these words, Thanksgiving was raining down on them. Or we say, people were showering them with praise. We say these things, but the deal is, is when, we, when they really, really begin to saturate, it's not just something you talk about, it's something that you do. And when you're really, really thankful, and when you're really beside yourself, and you're really completely overcome with it, who knows what you might do, what you might throw. What are you talking about? I'm talking about reckless abandon in praise. That's what's going on here in Psalm 136. To the Lord, give thanks, yada, to throw, to cast, to pour. To the Lord, who? Yahweh, the proper name of God. And you'll see why we're bringing this out because it moves on because, yeah, he's God, right? But he, but what the, the implications of that are more so, of course, first and foremost, he's God. All, everybody say he's God all by himself. He's not just God, he's God, he's good. Give thanks unto the Lord, unto Yahweh, for he is good. We could spend all day long on the goodness of God. I was trying to, sometimes I go and I, I love to look at the lexicon to see what these, you know, what, what does it mean to, that the Lord is good? And, and as I was reading them all together, it reminded me of a whole other passage of scripture. It's maybe I'll do this for you. So when it says the Lord is good, what does that mean? He's good, right? <clears throat> this word is tob, T-O-B, it's how we would say it in English, but it's a, it's a, a Hebrew word. But it means pleasant, agreeable. Beautiful, beneficial, best, better, better than good, charming, cheerful, choice, delightful, fair, favor, favorable, favorably, festive, fine, fine ones, generous, glad, good, good to those who are good, good, even better, good man, good, 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 good looking, gracious, handsome, handsome, happy, holiday, intelligent, you know, and it's showing you all the ways that it's been used through the Bible. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, you know, this reminds me of what Paul said we should be thinking about. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. And so what God is, God is all of that goodness. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I love some of Kyle's posts. He tags me on on Facebook and it's usually of some uh, crazy looking bird or something. And I know why he does this. Because when Kyle sees that, you know what Kyle's saying? Kyle's saying... Look what God has made. Listen to the song that it does. Watch how this, you know, I think one time he sent me, he posted one or whatever of, of an owl flying with no noise. And, and, and I know why he's doing it. He's going like, my God made that. Scientists are baffled. They set up all their sound equipment and the, and the owl flew by and there was no sound. They're like, how's that possible? That's not even possible. You know, right? Am I right, Kyle? Right? He's good. He's beautiful. He's lovely. That's why I, my wife and I, we like to go to Simi's Bistro in Grove City and eat outside on the golf course. You know why? Because it's lovely. It's beautiful to see those greens cut and manicured and all of that. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The trees and, the, and being outside. But the Lord, that's him. You see, he made all of that. He could have just made everything, you know, black and white. He could have made all the food taste the same. He could have made all the girls look the same. All the men look the same. But he didn't. He made us all different and beautiful in his way. Because that's what he is. He's lovely. His mercy endures forever. What does that mean? Well, 
In the ESV, it means his steadfast love endures forever. In the Amplified, for his loving kindness, his gracious mercy and compassion endures forever. In the NASB, for his faithfulness is everlasting. And just for fun, I don't generally read it, but the message, his love, his love never quits. I kind of like that. I looked up the word forever, and guess what it means, guys? It means forever. I mean, if that doesn't make you smile. So how long? How long is God going to be patient with me? Forever. He doesn't expire. He doesn't run out. He doesn't, you know, that's it. That's, that's it. You know how we do, Jason. That's it. You ever do this here at work and you've gone out and you've dealt, that's it. There's none of that. I've come to the end of me and you're, you know, God doesn't do that. His mercy, everybody say, his mercy endures forever. He's not going to, once we get in heaven, get up there and go, you know what? I was good to these bunch of heathens. Saved them out of the world, brought them up here to heaven. They don't appreciate me. No. His mercy endures forever. We'll be up there and we'll forget how bad we've been and all the reason we didn't, shouldn't be there and whatever. We'll, we'll forget. God will forget about it too. He'll throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. His mercy endures forever. Verse 2, oh, give thanks unto the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. The psalmist here changed from the proper name that Israel used of Yahweh, and he uses the word Elohim. You see, because in the world there are other gods. They, they have a small G, though, not a big G. People worship them. People bow down to them. They build idols to them. They, they build cities to them. And just so we know, he's God, capital G, over these gods with the little G. Those gods are no gods at all. He emphasizes that they, yeah, they have gods, so to say, but Yahweh is the God of those gods. They are called gods by those who worship them, but among those that men call gods, there is but one God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. So now they've gone from God, Yahweh, to, right, the specific God. Now we've got God of gods, which is Elohim, and now he goes to the Lord, which is Adonai. And he's explaining here in this transition of praise here, yes, he's our God. He's God over all these other little gods that aren't really gods at all. And guess what he is? He is Lord. And the word Lord here is translated husband, master, governor, ruler. And he is letting us know that God did not just wind up the world and let it go, but that he governs it and he rules it. And all power that we see in the world is God's power. Remember when the Bible says we should obey them that have the rule over us and the Bible tells us that when there are powers that be, whether they're governments or whatever, we submit ourselves because there is no power. They say there is no power. There's no power, but that is of God. You see, God gave the world to mankind and he said, you have power over this world. He gave it up. And when he gave it up, the devil had it and God had to take it back. God rules. He is the Lord. He is the master. He is the husband. He is the governor of all that we have. So, oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords. Lord, capital L, of lowercase L, lords. All these people that think, oh, we're presidents, we're senators, we're premiers, we're chancellors, we're dictators, or whatever we are. They just have a little L in front of their name because they are... Subject to the Lord with the big L. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords 
for his mercy endureth forever. Verse four, to him alone that doth great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. Say it, for his mercy Alone there is none like God. He has no equal. He has no rival. There is no salvation in any other. All roads do not lead to heaven. There is one door, one straight gate. Shower him with praise. Cast your praise on the one and only one who never fails, whose mercy never fails. Thanks be to God for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. He is the creator of all. All matter came and comes from him. He spoke and all that we see and do not see came into existence and out of his wisdom weaving nature into a complicated marvel and tapestry that declares his glory. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his mercy endures forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. What is happening here? The psalmist is bringing us more and more in touch with this God. And what is happening is what is the hope here of the psalmist? Is that as we begin to think about, oh, he's God. He's our God. We know his name. He's not just our God. He's the God of all these so-called gods that aren't even gods. He's the Lord. He's the ruler. He's in charge. He's about what is going on. He's not waiting around and wringing his hands and hoping, but no, he's telling a story. He's crafting uh, uh, the, the story of who he is for the whole wide world. He's active in our lives. And you know what? He made the world and he made it through wisdom and he does these things. And so the psalmist is trying to get you really cranked up about God. And he's only in verse five and there are 20 to go. So are you guys ready to get cranked up? Because he, he doesn't stop. And you know what? I'm listening to Jeff. And Jeff, thank you for reading that the way it was intended to be read, right? Some of you might have heard it. That you know, I, think the, I think Jeff got a little carried away there. No, I, I don't think he did. I think he read it the way you're supposed to read it. And as we get to these Psalms, they get more cranked up. And you might go, well, what's happened to Pastor Mark? Has he lost his mind? Well... I hope I will lose it to whatever the psalm is doing. And we're just going to just keep doing it. We're going to, we're just, we're going to take off. Verse six to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy endureth forever. And, and when I was looking this up in the Hebrew, there's a great picture. It means to beat, to stamp, to beat out. And I'm like, what is he talking about? I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And I'm picturing God with his big arm like a blacksmith who's heated the earth up. Isn't that how God, isn't that how, I mean, even the heathens know this, right? The earth and the magma that came up and the volcanic and the hot and the molten everything. And I picture God, Jason, as, a, as with a big old hammer just going. And I mean, can you picture this? He's, you know, he, he's like this guy and he's working on the earth. He's getting it in the right shape and he's getting the earth where he wanted it and he's getting the mountains where he's wanting it. It's picturing God outside of it. He's not just, you know, like one of these, you know, Roman gods or, or one of these Greek gods, you know, that flit around and fly around and have their little, no, this is God who, who had a hammer big enough to forge the earth. And he's beating out and he's stamping it out and he's making it, he's forming it, you know, as it's in its red hot form and sparks are flying off of it. Can you see this? To him that stretched out the earth, who beat it and stamped it and worked it like a blacksmith does steel. For his mercy endures forever. What do we have here? This is what we call, Rebecca, it's what we call big God. 
People are like, oh, no, we got this big God. I mean, look how big this pyramid is over here. And and uh, look at all these great things like, yeah, right. My God's got a hammer big enough, you know, to smash Asia if he wants to. He's going to, he, he whacked it here in the Himalayans, squashed up here. He whacked it over here. And there's a big space in the, you know, in the Indian Ocean so that there's space between India and Australia. Oh, wham. And he, you know, he's making all here. Oh, wait, the Mariana Trench. Yeah. You know what we need? We need a, we need a trench so deep that they can't even go down there. Like, like it's easier to get the space than it is to get there. So let's just, uh, we'll show them that there's things down there they've never seen bigger than they ever know and they'll never look through it all they'll never figure it out they'll go to Mars before they'll make it to the bottom of the Mariana Trench shower his strength with your praise and thanksgiving today you see, last week we boast, but this week we are going to shower. This is a well that springs up from those filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit within us cries out the goodness and majesty of God, bragging and boasting of His goodness. And now we must shower it out, pointing to this greatest and grandest, the best and the most beautiful, the origin of wisdom and creativity itself. Shower Him. Cast your praise on Him. We've got 19 more verses to go, and I invite you to call out or shower him today as I preach through these make a short specific statement like this he is the only one who could make a husband for me he's the one that taught the nightingale her song he's the one who loved me when nobody else loved me he's the one who freed me from the dominion of myself and the devil he is why I can love. Anybody prepared to shower the Lord with something like that? You prepared for this? You can do it. Man, woman, child. As I travel through the remaining verses, I will pause for you to join in the shower of praise and thanksgiving with Israel. Anybody want to do it today? That's what the psalmist is inviting us to do. All right. Starting in verse 7. To him that made the great lights... Everybody say it. For his mercy endures forever. Shower him. Cast your ticker tape. Cast your confetti. Throw your flowers. Lay down your palm branches and your jackets. Throw your gifts into his basket as he passes by today. Anybody want to shower the Lord with a praise? Wow. Verse 8. The sun to rule by day. Everybody say for his mercy endures forever. You see, he rules and he gives power to whomever he will. Verse 9, the moon and the stars to rule by night. Everybody say it again. For his mercy endures forever. Why do you think there's a list like this? There's a list like this because we, we just want to go, yeah, he's good. No, the psalmist goes, oh no, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good in the sun. He's good in the moon. He's good in the vapors and the power and the victories. And he's going to go and he's going to talk about him. What's the point? The point is for you at some point in time to go, he's good to me. He's good to me. He blesses me. He takes care of me. He answers my prayers. He gave me a family when I didn't think I would. He, he gave me a baby when I didn't think I could have one. He, he gave me something that I didn't know I could ever have. That's what is supposed to happen as we go through these. The moon and the stars to rule by night. For his mercy endures forever. He keeps perfect time. Anybody? 
to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endures forever. Do you know he will smite our enemies? He brought Israel out from among them. You guys do have voices. It's amazing. Do you know God delivers us from the slavery of our sin? Has God delivered anybody here from the slavery of your sin? Would you be willing to say that? He delivered me from the slavery of my sin. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. Everybody say, for his mercy endures. See, God's arm was not short, too short for me. He reached out and touched me. Do you do that to you, Joy? To him which divided the Red Sea into parts. You see, what did God do when an impossible obstacle stood between his people and their salvation? He divided it and he made a highway right through it. Everybody say, that's what God does. Has God ever done that for you? He made Israel to pass through the midst of it. Everybody say it. For his mercy. You see, we give thanks to God that he takes us through our trials. He doesn't just move them away. He takes us through them. The Bible doesn't say we won't pass through the fire. He says, though you pass through the fire, I will be with you. He didn't keep Daniel from being cast into the lion's den, did he? He just shut the mouths of the lion. He didn't keep the Hebrew children from being thrown into the fiery furnace, did he? He was in there and the, the fire did not kindle upon their clothing. They didn't even come. They didn't even smell like smoke coming out of there. Everybody say, for his mercy endures. You see, God is with us through. He, too, he divided the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. That land should not have been dry. We forget about that. We think it's amazing that he parted it, but the deal is he took the water right out of the ground too because that would have been a mud hole they could have never walked through. He dried that ground up. They walked on it. They never even noticed it. You know, God does that for us too. We're so busy looking at the walls on either side, we forget that we'd be walking through four foot of mud. He dried up the ground, he opened it up, and he took them through it. Verse 15, he overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Everybody say, for his mercy. You see, vengeance belongs to God. For his mercy endures forever. Amen. Vengeance belongs to God. It is yours, O God, and by faith we will see it borne out upon your enemies, Lord. To him which led his people through the wilderness. God leads us when we, and we thank him for not cursing us 
with blind guides, but those who love us and lead us by his word. Anybody want to shower the Lord? Yes, babe. For his mercy endures forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness. Has he led anyone here through a wilderness? He's led our church through one. I can tell you that right now. We've been through, we've been through some hard stuff. But I think we're through it. I do. You know what was on the other side of the wilderness? The promised land. He's going to get into, before they get the promised land, they... They had some battles to fight still. To him which smote great kings. He has conquered what we believed we could never conquer. They were great kings. He slew famous kings. Like what is going on? Why, why? Oh, brother Chris, go for it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, Lord. The only way I could be forgiven is through your Almighty. For his mercy endures forever. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris, for showering the Lord with that. When it says he flew famous, he slew famous kings. It says he vanquished rulers no one else thought we could whip. Not only I couldn't, but now we got famous ones. Nobody could. You know, you know these, these kings here, we're going to get into them. We talked about them a little bit last week. But they were some scary dudes. I mean, you got, a, you got an 11 to 13 foot tall dude named Og uh, who just comes out against Israel all by himself. And remember what God said to Moses? Don't be afraid of him. I'm going to bring him down like I brought the other ones down. It ain't going to be any harder. Is it harder for God to take a big giant down or a little one? Is it hard? Is, is, is anything hard for God? It's like, well, you know, that Goliath's pretty big. I don't know. This is a little rabbit trail. Well, I don't know if I'll do the rabbit trail. Well, maybe I will. There's a show called The Mandalorian. <laughs> and at the end of one of the seasons, it's utterly hopeless. Like, they're, they're toast. And they got no chance against and nobody. And you don't really see this coming because it's, it's a Star Wars thing, but you don't really see coming what comes. And out of the blue, Luke Skywalker just shows up in the, in the episode. Like, I thought he was been dead for like 20 years. I don't know. But when you see his face, you're like, it's all over for everybody at this point, right? He pulls out his lightsaber. He kills everything and everybody. And he ain't even trying. Like, like all these things that were impossible for anybody to deal with. What's he doing? He just, he's just cutting them in half and cutting holes in walls. And, you know, and then when he doesn't have it, he just, you know, using the force and they can't breathe. I mean, I mean, this is that kind of a thing here, okay? <laughs> Like when God, God is not daunted by the things that, you know, get bigger and bigger and bigger before our eyes. Those, all that does is make the story better. 
I mean, these guys were bad, but no, now they have the dark troopers, you know, and they're made of all of this kind of metal that no one could ever do. You know, like, oh, no, they're, they're done. They're toast. It's like, just make it as hard as you want, because when old Luke Skywalker shows up, it, it's done. You're done. Because I know Yoda is going to show up at some point and, and, and level the whole thing. But anyway... Verse 17, to him who smote great kings, everybody say, he that slew famous kings, and then he begins to name them. Do you know that Israel often would not name the kings because, you know, in the Proverbs it says we should not rejoice against people in particular. But these kings are mentioned over and over again for some reason. There's a departure here. They felt that it wasn't sinful. They thought it was bringing glory to God. And I think it was because the victory over them was so unbelievable. It was, I think, as unbelievable or more unbelievable than what happened as they crossed the Jordan River. Before they crossed the Jordan River, they're on the east bank. And there's this King Sihon, and he's got this brother. They believe historians say that Og was his brother. The Bible tells us that they are the last of the great giants, uh, the Zamzummim giants. Uh, that are uh, like the sons of Anak, that are, they call them Merephrium. And they were humongous, gigantic, wildly, incredibly powerful, you know. And I don't think Israel had the idea that, you know, we got a guy that tough. I think they understood that there was no beating this guy. He had 60 walled cities. And the one brother, according to history, that's actually not in the Bible, but the one brother was so confident that he didn't even go help the other brother. He's like, yeah, Sihon can handle him. I'll just stay in my city and he'll, you know, I won't have to do anything. And then when they were defeated, then he came out, Og came out like, all right, now it's, now you got, now you got to mess with me. Uh, and the Bible says that, and I don't know how Israel beat any army with any walled city. They're, they're, they're guys walking around in the desert. They don't have chariots. They don't have horses. They, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea how they go against 60 walled cities and a gigantic, that doesn't give us the details. But the Bible says he struck them down. Great giants on the east bank of the Jordan, Og of Bashan. Everybody say, for his mercy endures forever. They name them by name. Sometimes we need to name by name the giants that God has brought down for us. Giants came out bigger and bolder than Goliath and they fell hard. And God ended up giving them the land. You know, God had told Abraham, all that you can see I'm going to give you. And it was never... No one ever thought, if you look at the story, that anything on the east of Jordan would have belonged to Israel. But God awarded Israel with a vast tract of land east of the Jordan River, beyond the Jordan River, beyond the Red Sea, out in that area. That's where the kingdoms of Sihon and Og. God will give you more than you think. I think that we should always be believing that God is going to do more for us than we can imagine, not less. He gave their land for a heritage. Everybody say, for his mercy endures forever. The inheritance of the ungodly was given to God's chosen people. Who are you? Has he not chosen you? Are you not his people? Did he not say, why don't you try me and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain? 
Are we not the people of those people? That's us. Even the heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. We are his chosen people, a people who were not a people. That's just like us. Anybody want to give God praise for what he's done for you? Maybe any of these are springing to mind what God has done for you. We got Rachel back here. Family and sister. Amen. For his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our low estate. God gives grace to the humble. He give, has given grace to me. Has God ever given grace to you? There's something to shower him with. How many times have you sinned and you deserve God's judgment and said he does what? He blesses you. How many times could God have been done with you when you return to your sin again and again? How long does his mercy endure, Sister Jackie? Forever. Is there a scarlet stain on you that he can't wash? No. Everybody say, for his mercy endures forever. If you're standing in the ashes today, you know what the Bible said? He said, he will give you the oil of joy for mourning. He will give you beauty for ashes. The Bible says he, God restores even to the peace of an ear. When these shepherds would lose an animal to a lion and whatever they have, find a little teeny piece, they'd bring it back. Look at this little piece of ear. Yep, this was all that's left of that. They'd bring it back to the man who owned the sheep. Yep, this one got eaten. Here's a piece of his ear. The Bible says God restores even to the piece of an ear. Remember how the Bible says that God will restore the years that the canker worm, that the grasshopper, that the locust, he goes through these things. God restores those things you think are eaten and gone and can't be restored and can't be fixed. Who knows what those things are? But the deal is his mercy endures forever. He hath redeemed us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever. You know, God is our redeemer. You know, we were owned by our enemies. We were enslaved to them. A redeemer means he purchased us. Could you imagine being a slave and someone coming along and buying you and giving you your freedom? You thought they couldn't be and then God did. That's what God did. God did that for you. We were owned by sin, enslaved. We had been conquered, but God purchased us and we have been bought with the price, the Bible says that because of that, we should glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We should shower him with thanksgiving and praise. He gives food to all flesh. Everybody say it. Has God given anybody food? You ever been hungry? You know, there was a little family I met on the street yesterday and they're from a foreign country and uh, I was talking to them and they said, yeah, they told us if, if we could figure out a way to make it into the United States, we could have a good life. We lost everything where we lived and I said, what did you do? They said, well, we came to Mexico and then we crossed over the border and we got here and we got picked up by Border Patrol and uh, they took our identification and we don't even have any and they said, come back to court in a year. I said, what am I supposed to do until then? They're like, you'll have to figure it out. 
They're like, can't work. No one will hire me. I can't work. They told me America was a great place to come. He said, it's not really turned out too great for me right now. So I said to the woman there, which I thought was his wife, but I guess it's his sister. I said, could I take you over here to Meyer and get you some groceries? And tears just poured out her eyes and took her over there at Meyer and Liam pushed the little cart. She didn't put a lot of food. She put just enough for a meal or two and she kept thinking it was too much. I don't know how poor they are or not. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not standing on a corner. And I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I'm saying God gave me food. He gave me so much food. I'm fat. I got to figure out a way to exercise all my fat off from all the extra food I got. He gives food. You, you might think it's not a big deal. Well, there's a whole lot of the world where it's a big deal. In Myanmar, where they were feeding those people through gifts that we were able to give them, that food might be the only feed, food they eat for a few days. When I see them piling those spaghetti noodles and I see them killing a pig and I see those people joyfully eating, that joy is coming, not just, oh, because we're all together hanging out like we do every week. No, it's like we're eating food. We're eating food. We take it for granted because we don't, we, you know, we've never been without it. But when they say who gives food, he's talking about to, to animals alike for his mercy. Everybody say his mercy endures forever. He is our provider. Has God ever provided for you? Every good and perfect gift, James tells us, comes down from him. He's the father of lights. Verse 26, oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. For his mercy endures forever. Kind of puts an end cap on the whole thing. When he says this, oh, give thanks, oh, give thanks, oh, give thanks, over and over, he's saying, shower, pour on God your thanksgiving. I hope today, as we worked our way through this, you go, well, this wasn't real theologically super deep. You know, that's not really what it's all about all the time. I could have got into some intricate, you know, whatever that we didn't understand the problem is, is this is so plain and so easy to understand that we often don't do it. Amen. For his mercy endures forever. Amen. And we, we're going to we're going to do this a little bit more and uh, we'll have a time. So now that you know that this kind of crazy thing can happen here at the church, um, if God puts it on your heart and you want to, I think it would be a beautiful part of our worship service. We used to do it a lot. People would get up and they would say, you know, and they would tell a story about something that happened in their life and how they met somebody and how this happened and, and could you pray for them? And if it's appropriate, this could be good. This would be a good part of what we do. We need to be talking about it. You know, uh, uh, Jonathan was here telling me about a guy that worked for him and uh, his interaction in his life and his care for him, the guy that, fixing Jeremy right fixing thing fixing things and he's got a little you know he's got a problem with his elbow and you know he's wanting to love him and, and to help him and want to know hey could we figure out a way to maybe to love him and to help him that's what we should be doing we should be looking like Jesus what did he do he spent his life going about doing good you know yeah he's a he's a good deal he's a human being too right and we love him you might go, well, what is that? That's called common grace is what that is. God, God determines who's saved and who isn't saved. That's not for us to even worry about. 
The Bible says we need to be careful about everyone we are with. We may be entertaining angels. We don't know. God has given us all of this stuff and we just go, oh yeah, well I got it, no big deal. Yeah, until you don't have it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. He brought us out, for his mercy endures forever. He brought us in, for his mercy endures forever. He feeds us, he provides for us, he takes care of us. He's active in our lives, for his mercy endures forever. That's what Psalm 136, it's the great praise. And I pray today, as we think about this, and we go, you know what? I think I need to be doing some praising of God. I hope that's what we hear today. Wouldn't it be great if while we ate, if, if maybe we didn't do it in our service as much, we we're like, that's what we said, at, talk about at the table. Can I tell you what God's done for me in my life? You might go, well, I already know all your stories. I went to visit a guy this week, and I thought he knew all my stories. And I realized he didn't, and so you know what I did? I told him when he got done, he said, you know what? Not only does God do good for you, but you love to talk about it. I'm like, I do. He goes, and tell you the truth, I love to hear it. And I'm thinking, now we got a good combo. You know, I like to talk and he likes to listen. I mean, this is going to be great. But, but what was the point? It was that talking about the goodness of God. How do you think he went away from that feeling? You know, he started telling me about how God was in his life and, and how God has been providing for him and leading him and he's been growing through these things. That's what we should be encouraging one another with. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We shower you today in the great parade of praise. Lord, it comes out of us, Lord, and... Uh, I pray that we do it vocally. I pray that we do it physically. I pray that we adopt a lifestyle of bragging and boasting about you rather than feeling like we're trying to pawn you off or convince somebody to, no, this, we should tell people how good you are. Lord, as we rejoice in how good you are, we, we should shower you with praise. There's plenty to complain about, but Lord, today we want to think about you who are lovely and good and virtuous and praiseworthy and true and pure. And we thank you, Lord, for a chance to do that today here with your people. Oh, we give thanks unto you, Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us. 